You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. In national politics or local, the rule always seems to be the same. Follow the money. When we do that here in Napa County, the road leads to our treasurer tax collector. For the past decade, that was Tammy Frazier. Tammy recently stepped down after being reelected to that position, and it fell on the Board of Supervisors to make an appointment. They chose a local resident with a strong financial background and a willingness to take on the job, perhaps only on a short-term basis. Their choice was James Hudak, and he joins me here in the studio today. James, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me here. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, Welcome aboard the county, I guess, is uh, a good description of this. If a year ago somebody asked you if you were going to be serving in this job, would you have uh, imagined that you'd be doing it? Absolutely not. Uh, About a year ago, I stepped down as CEO of a company headquartered in Walnut Creek, became executive chairman, started to look for some way to get involved in the community, and just couldn't find the the right thing. So when I uh, actually retired last November, I happened to see this opening, and I thought, nobody's going to hire me, um, but they'll get to look at my resume and get to know me, and maybe I'll find the right place to fit in. And lo and behold, they uh, offered me the job. Talk a little bit about your background. What kind of company were you working for? What businesses have you been in over the years? Yeah, let me, I'll go back to the beginning because this (laughs) this is a little bit like uh, uh, the circle of life. I started out in government. Uh, I got a master of public policy from Michigan and worked for the city of Ann Arbor, Michigan, then got recruited to the city of Palo Alto, California, where I worked in the police department, the public works department, then I was city treasurer. Went from there to being the chief financial officer for the chief administrative officer in San Francisco for the city and county. And if you think politics is difficult here, this well, is nothing right. compared to the city and county. Then I went into the private sector. I was a consultant for 20 years, both government and health care. And then I've been working with or running healthcare companies for the last 20 years, United Health Group, where I was CIO, and then ran the behavioral health business. Go figure. <laughs> um, the two are quite different. And then uh, went to a, a, an addiction company. Uh, we treated 30,000 people wow. every day in 140 facilities. And then uh, ran a company called Paradigm Outcomes that manages the care for catastrophically injured workers. The cool thing about that company is uh, the industry gets about 12% of these badly injured people mentally and physically capable of doing some kind of work. doesn't mean they go back to work, but it means they have a life. Uh, Paradigm gets over 60% uh, released to return to work. So it's a, it does close to miracles, and that's what's driven me my whole career. I want to do something that matters, and that's why I applied for this job and then ultimately accepted it. If you had to sum up briefly what you have come to understand is the difference between working in the public versus the private sector, <laughs> how would you define that? Uh, in, in some ways, it's easy. The public sector is much more difficult. You have multiple constituencies that you've got to satisfy. Whereas in the private sector, it's pretty easy. Your clients, your investors, and your employees, you know, you don't have to do much beyond that. You know, here, 
for example, I manage about $600 million of bond funds. That includes the school district, the waste authority, the airport, you know. So there's really multiple constituencies that I have to make sure, and the community college as well. So there's multiple constituencies that I have to serve, which is very different from the private sector. The irony is that in the public sector, there are more constituencies to serve. It's more complex in that sense, as you say, and yet the tools at your disposal to do that are, are such that it makes the whole process more difficult all the time. Uh, yeah, it does, because there are so many constraints on what you can do. I mean, at, uh, I mean I'll give you a simple example. Um, the county's going to get me a cell phone because I want to keep my private and public separately. This is my second week. I don't have a cell phone. When I was at Paradigm, I would have had it the first day. First uh, hour, right. Yeah, so it's just the end because they have to go through a process. Right that, um, you know, has to be publicly transparent and, you know, traceable and all all of that. Not that the private sector doesn't, but it's different. Different. Talk about that in terms of process, because in many cases it seems like for government that process is really the most important product most of the time. You've you've seen it. You've been in government. You've been in the private sector. So you, you have a certain sense of, yeah, this is how it works. But talk about how frustrating that is sometimes. Um, it can be very frustrating. I, I see an opportunity in the office that if we added one employee, we could do a much better job of collecting delinquent taxes. And that position would more than pay for itself. Well, I have to go through a whole process of a bunch of people to approve that. Whereas when I was running Paradigm, if I saw that opportunity, I could just hire, you know, go and hire somebody and do it right away. But there's a reason for that process. It has to be, everything you do has to be publicly transparent in the public sector. So it protects from doing things that are are capricious or just, you know, for somebody's personal benefit. So I understand the process, but it can be very frustrating at times. What have you come to see as the challenges, what what your biggest challenges are going to be in terms of this job here in Napa? Well, as treasurer tax collector, there are really three important things that I need to do. One is I invest the money for the county, not just the county, but the other agencies, as I said. So I've got to make sure that that money is safeguarded. There's a acronym called SLY, S-L-Y, safety first, liquidity second, and yield third, which is quite different from in the private sector where you'd probably go more for the, the yield. The second thing that I have to focus on is to make sure that we collect all the taxes that are that are due to us. And then also, and maybe foremost, is good customer service. People come up to our window to pay. They have questions. They have inquiries. We've got to make sure that we meet the public's need. So those are the three things that I'm that I'm focused on right now. Mm-hmm. In terms of the constituencies here in the county, you mentioned the schools before, which is really, I think, the largest single chunk of money that, that uh, is, is in the county. Talk a little bit about serving those constituencies. Uh, so you're right. The school district is about 40% of our portfolio. And um, I'm yesterday I met with the superintendent of schools and her director of finance and one of the financial people who deals with us because I view them as my client. And I went to meet them just as I would in the public sector or private sector with a client to say, what do you need? Are you getting the right service for us? 
what would you like to see us do differently? How can we improve our service to you? So, and uh, surprisingly, I was told that I was the first treasurer tax collector to ever go to their offices and talk to them about that, which was surprising to me. Is it difficult coming in after somebody that's been there for 10 years? I mean, that's a long time. And, and Tammy had not only been in that job for 10 years, she had worked for the county, I think, for almost 25 years. There's a certain sense always in, in those situations, well, we've always done it this way. You, you come head up against that. There, there is definitely some of that, but I'll have to say I'm very impressed with the staff. And about six months ago, anticipating this change, the county executive put one of um, the people who worked for him into the treasurer tax collector office, um, Brett Prebula. And Brett has done a good job of making some of those changes already. And he and I are working uh, very closely together to continue making those kind of changes. But you're right. Often I will ask people, why do we do it this way? And the answer is, well, because that's the way we've always done it. Right. And not just for Tammy, but for her predecessor. You worked, you mentioned Palo Alto and San Francisco and some other cities that you worked for many, many years ago. Is there any way in which working for government has changed in all these years as you come back to it now, uh, full circle? Is it, it different? Good, good question, which I haven't really thought about a lot. But my first impression is technology is is much, much different than it was. And the ability for the community to reach out, to have direct access, whether it's by email um, or phone or over the web that didn't didn't exist before. In some ways, that complicates the job because we're even more, more accessible. Um, in other ways, thing, you know, things haven't changed that much. Uh, the treasury function, for example, the state law is basically the same as it was in the 70s in terms of what I can invest in and what I can't. So that, that hasn't changed a lot. So it's a good question that I'll have to think about a little, mm. little bit more. This is only my second week, so I'm right. still learning. Talk about the things that you get to invest in as, as treasurer. Obviously, safety first, as you mentioned before, and, and yield is last in that equation. But what are the options, and should they be different? I mean, just I mean, obviously, they're governed by, by state law, and so they can't change that much. But as you look at them, what could be different? What do you wish was different? Well, they, they are governed by both state law and the county has an investment policy. By state law, the county has to uh, have a um, set up their own policy within the state law limits. And I also have an advisory uh, committee that's required by state law. What I can invest in are only bonds, no, no stocks. The bonds uh, primarily are either federal government or federal agency treasury bonds and federal agency bonds. I can invest in commercial um, bonds as long as they're at least A rated or above. Personally, I won't buy anything for the county that isn't double A or triple A because of the safety uh, requirement. I actually think the, the law makes a lot of sense. I don't think it needs to be changed. I am looking at the portfolio here. I think it was more conservative. For example, there were no commercial bonds in it when uh, when Tammy was here, and I think we can get a better yield there and still be, you know, very safe. For example, take Apple. For example, they're sitting on billions of dollars of cash. I'm not too worried about Apple going belly up. I'd worry know. about the government, but worry about <laughs> Apple these days. <laughs> 
That may be true, but quite frankly, if the government does go belly up, we're all in big trouble. You know, it's bad enough with the strike or with the the, the you know, latter, yeah, the shutdown. But it would be uh, it would be even worse if we were in default. And you know, governments have Puerto Rico, for example, is in default, and right. you know, Venezuela, and you know, that does happen. I don't see that happening in the United States. Well, just down the street, there was the city of Vallejo for yeah, not too yeah. many years ago, and then Orange County because of right. some misdeeds by the treasurer there. In in the 70s uh, actually right. went bankrupt so you know it does does happen but uh, you know I, I think the US government with all the issues going on is still a safe investment what has I mean it's only been a couple of weeks as you said has anything surprised you thus far in terms of how the county works what this job involves and and, and various aspects of the job um, what I've been struck by is the willingness of employees to work together across departments that in the city and county of San Francisco for example that was not true everybody had their little fiefdom and I don't I don't see that happening here I've been very pleasantly um, surprised at the willingness of people to work together to you know change things I think I come in particularly from the private sector I have a slightly different perspective and there are some things that you know, I've seen about technology and that, that I think we need to change, and people are open to doing that. One of the questions that, that people always ask, and, you know, I mean, John Tudor's been uh, on the air with me for, I think, maybe a thousand times <laughs> over the years. And one of the questions, and people think he collects the money in addition to assessing, and he always points out that, that he doesn't collect the money. Talk a little bit about how you guys work together, how you work together with, with his department and the assessor and, and how it relates to what you do. Yeah, the, the assessor is the one that sets what the value of your property is. Now, Prop 13, you know, constrains that. Uh, it used to be before Prop 13, he would, uh, the assessor would um, reassess the property every year. Now, once you buy it, it goes up only 2% a year. That's what Prop 13 requires. But any new property right. he assesses, anytime somebody buys or sells property, he sets the value, and then it's up to my office to collect that that money. One of the things that will amuse me no end is when the property tax bills come out next October, my name will be on them. So I don't know how popular I'm going to be in the county. <laughs> Talk about the process of collection, and, and what kind of collection rate, what kind of default rate do we have here in the um, county? We actually have a really good collection rate. I have not looked at the total um, um, taxes that, that we collect and just haven't had a chance to look at the total, but the percentage is well, well below 1% that we don't collect or that's in default. And that's uh, in large part because we're assessing against property and we're sensing against something that is fixed that is right there. We do have the ability to put a lien against somebody. We can do a uh, sale for if taxes aren't aren't paid. So there's there's a number of safeguards. Um, one of the things, by the way, I worried about this week. I was looking at our financial report, and much to my surprise, PG and E is our fourth largest taxpayer. Hmm. So I um, talked to some of the other county treasurers, and I talked to our legal staff, and I talked to our controller. 
what do we do if they do, in fact, file bankruptcy? And it turns out we're pretty much on the top of who gets paid. So um, wasn't too worried about that once I looked into it. But being it. on the top, if there's if there's not enough, it yeah. doesn't help to be on the top. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. And PG&E is actually, I, I was talking to John Tudor about it, PG&E is kind of a special case. He does not set the assessment for PG&E, the State hmm. Board of Equalization. Uh, does and that's an elected body, so you kind of wonder. Well, what would they, what would they do with PG&E? So I'm still a little worried about that. I mean, they're they're you know, like I said, the fourth largest property taxpayer in the county. Mm-hmm. What kind of impact could that have on the county? Let's assume that they do go belly up, and even if there's you know X number of cents on the dollar that are ultimately paid, it could be a long time before it, that happens. It could be, and we would. Uh, Again, I have to look at exactly how much they pay, but it's millions of dollars, and that would impact uh, not just the county government. For every property tax dollar we take in, 64% goes to the schools. So it would have uh, the biggest impact on, on the schools. So that's something that I would you know, be very concerned about. But I think we are we are as safe as you can get in that circumstance. And is this a job that you see yourself? It's an elected office. You've been appointed because Tammy resigned after being reelected. Are you going to run for for the office when uh, the time comes? Yeah, I was very clear with with the board when they interviewed me. Is that I have no intention of running in March of 2020 when the next election is. I saw this as an opportunity. For me, I flunked retirement four times. It's the fourth time that I've uh, been retired and went back to work. I see this as something where I can do a service for the community, and I can get to know the community. And uh, I intend to live here the rest of my life. And when you work inside a government, it's amazing the things you get to know that the average public, you know, doesn't know. Like in the last two weeks. I found out I had no idea where the school superintendent's office was. It's out, out by the park it's on the Mola. Mola, right? I hate I, I hate hate to confess this, but I'd never been on the community college campus, and I came to meet with the board to introduce myself, week, and I'm right. here for the interview. And I went to a waste authority meeting at the American Canyon City Hall, which I'd never been at. And I got fingerprinted at the sheriff's office. I had no idea they were out by the airport. I always thought they were downtown. So it's just, you know, it's it's funny little things like that that you learn. And I expect when I'm when uh, they elect somebody else or if they combine this with the controller's office, which there's some talk about, right. that I will find some volunteer or other thing. You know, people will get to know me, and I'll find some other way that I can give back to the community. On the other hand, you'll have been— been doing this job for a couple of years, and you might want to continue it. <laughs> that, um, uh, Sally, my wife, is really worried about that because <laughs> I'm enjoying it so much. But I, I really just don't see that happen. There's a number of things that I want to do. A lot of travel uh, in in the world, and um, so I don't. I I think it's very unlikely. I mean, I've told the board absolutely right. I won't run. James Hudak, I thank you so much for coming in. Okay, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Napa County's new treasurer, tax collector. Thanks so much for being with us here on Napa Broadcasting. Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com.